Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. So, a couple of quick updates on my end. I'm sure you're dying to know. Uh, if if you're following Midriff's Instagram, you probably saw that I took a, a deep dive right into the world of jazz masters recently, and I am jazzed. I'm just going to say it. There we go. I, I, I couldn't stop myself. So, I mean, it, it's funny because like for years and years, I was really honestly under the impression that jazz master pickups were just like these very like mid-focused pickups because I thought, I think I thought they were P90s. I just, I was so in like humbucker land that I didn't even know really the difference. I mean, I sort of like tangentially knew what P90s were, but I assumed that Jazzmaster pickups and P90s were the same. And now that I'm sort of like in this space where I'm rethinking pickups generally, and I'm like having this single coil midlife crisis, I was like, oh, maybe I'll take another look at Jazzmasters because I think they look cool. Um, <laughs> and finally, I, I realized that actually they're not the same pickup. And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually dig in here. So I researched and I ended up with a Fender Ventura Series Jazzmaster. And I just love it so much. It sounds perfect and the action is great. It's, I like the uh, tremolo. I just, it's got, mine has a matching headstock. What's not to love? Everything's great. Uh, in amp news, I had, I think I reported to you that I had gotten this Music Man 112 RD uh, 65, which is great, but I bought it thinking it would, it would be really good for me to have something with the larger speaker for recording in my basement, you know, for band practice, I have a whole other 212 situation, like a, a basement, but in my basement, I've just been using this tiny little champ, which is great, but it's only eight inches. So I was like, oh, I should probably get like a 12 inch or something. And so I was like, I'm going to get a music man. And, you know, I honestly think I lost a good chunk of my hearing from playing it. Uh, I also have it like set up right in my, at your at your height. It's just, it's bad in that it is just too loud. It's just too much for my tiny basement and my ears at this point, apparently. It is rad, but it, unfortunately, I think it might have to go. Uh, so I'm just like making all of these changes. I'm like, get rid of a bunch of stuff, getting a bunch of new stuff. I feel like I had been very uh, stable for a long time with my gear purchase purchases, like, you know, not, not entirely, but like much more so than I am right now. And now it's just like Wild West. Uh, who knows what's next? I don't know. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm at, where I'm at right now. We have band practice hopefully happening very soon in the next couple of weeks. And I, I think my brain is also just turned on about thinking about the possibility of what that might actually be like. I tend to rethink my setup, including usually I rethink and like switch out a guitar when I start a new project. And this is kind of the same project, but we're sort of reforming. So I'm just, my, my brain's on fire trying to think of what that's going to be like. It's great. So in other updates, I am finishing up teaching a class at the Rhode Island School of Design, and I started doing some workshops with Old Blood Noise Endeavors, who are great. I was recently on the Make More Music podcast with Chris Millette, and you know we talked about my background and how I got to the work I'm doing. If that's interesting to you, maybe it's not. Um, he's a very nice guy, and it was a very fun interview. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think you'll hopefully enjoy it. If you're listening here, you might want to hear me talk some more. Feel free, jump in. Uh, I'll have the link in the show notes for that as well. All right, let's get into it. 
I first want to thank some of Midriff's fabulous sponsors. So first we have Earthquaker Devices. So if you haven't heard already, I recommend you check out the pedal movie in which Jamie Stillman and Julie Robbins from Earthquaker, in addition to a number of other fabulous Earthquaker folks, uh, are featured. And in addition, this week, there was another episode of Studio Go Boom with the amazing producer Sylvia Massey, which you can find on Earthquaker's YouTube channel. Always fabulous. Always good stuff. Please check out their website. Buy some of their pedals. EarthquakerDevices.com. I want to thank, once again, Studio 121. Skylar can help you with all of your audio needs at a very reasonable price and with a quick turnaround. So if you need editing, if you need production, you need recording, jingles, podcast music, literally whatever you need, she can help you do it. So find Studio 121 on Instagram at officialstudio121. And uh, yeah, that's that. these folks are great. There's, these sponsors support the podcast. I hope you support them too. You can find links in the show notes to that, to everything you need, to the Midriff Instagram, Facebook, website, newsletter, whatever you need. It's all there. All right. So today's guest is Rosie Mankato, who is a fabulous musician and luthier from Brazil. She was actually the first woman to graduate from luthier school for electric guitar in Brazil as well. And that is a big deal, which she will talk more about in our interview She's also a great musician, just a fabulous multi-instrumentalist. She makes her own music, but also music for TV, for movies. She's a busy one. And also her music is just so, so beautiful, which you'll hear in just a minute. And we had a great conversation about everything from like the cool models that she's working on at Mankato Guitars to the problem with COVID in Brazil. It was just a really fun and inter interesting interview. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So with that... Here is my interview with Rosie. Welcome to Midriff. Hey there. Hey. Thanks for having me. Loving Thanks. it. Thanks. Very international today. Ow! <laughs> you know what? I think you might be my first actual international uh, guest. I love being first. Good job. On everything. <laughs> You're you. number one. <laughs> uh, cool. So let's let's talk a little bit about you because that's why we're here. Uh can you introduce yourself, your name, pronouns, a little bit about yourself and your background with music? Well, I'm Rosie Moncato. I was born in the 90s, <laughs> just for reference. <laughs> That's helpful. I'm a music producer. I've been playing music forever. I used to play in a folk band called Rosie and Me, and we got to tour the U.S., and it's this was like over 10 years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. Then I isolated myself in the woods for a while and <laughs> built a recording studio. That's very true. That's amazing. <laughs> then I got 
I got back to the city and I wanted to start building my own guitars because I always love to mess with them, paint them inappropriately, <laughs> paint them in the wrong ways. I mean, now, and, now, you know, <laughs> no, I know. And there's actually a university that specializes in it where I live. So I just went for it and spent four years of my life studying guitars and making it. Four years is a long time. Is that how long luthier school normally is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it, that's the normal time if you don't flunk or anything. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do. Ooh. It's like the master master chef Whoa. of guitars. That's terrifying. It's really, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at the website for the school that you went to and it seemed like a, and I think this is the case in a lot of, a lot of places, like a lot of places that you learn to be a luthier, uh, a lot luthier schools, I guess you would call them, that the focus seems to be a lot on, on like acoustic instruments and less on electric. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. We have like several master luthiers that are specialized in violins and cellos and the class classical acoustic guitars and we have like two masters in electric guitars mm -hmm. do you do you get to specialize yes yeah. you gotta pick one you can't just like build acoustic instruments and electrical so i was the first woman to pick <laughs> electrical Yeah. And you were the first woman to graduate from the school. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Wow. It's wild that it took that long for a woman to graduate from the school. Yeah. They had a, a woman graduating in violin. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was huge because most people actually don't, don't finish. It's like very expensive to buy materials mm. and And they are very, very demanding mm -hmm. in quality. So you start off like 40 people start off the the course and six, maybe eight finish. Wow. That really does sound That's like Top Chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could do like a, you know, some sort of reality TV show. It would be a hit. <laughs> Better than RuPaul's Drag Race for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So, so you, so obviously you've done that. You've. So how long have you been playing solo for? I've been playing solo for like five years, I'd say. Okay, okay. You probably were maybe a little bit busy during school too, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Super. <laughs> uh, yeah. You never slept. Oh my God. <laughs> I made a, a bass guitar in a week. Whoa. One time. Because <laughs> you have to every semester. There's You get to build in a specific instrument. Mm -hmm. That was my record. Wow. You don't sleep. I slap walk. I actually slap walk sanding, sanding <laughs> objects in my house. That's a true story. Wow. <laughs> you get very into it. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. I hope that uh, your house is okay and that you didn't actually like sand anything. It looks very smooth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So you have a number of experiences. When, how old are you? You said you started playing music real early. How old were you? I was about five mm -hmm. when I had this delusion of being Mozart <laughs> and I started playing the piano and it, it actually works. I had, I had like a really good ear. 
and I could pick up songs by a year. Mm. So my folks put me in piano classes, but I had this really stereotyped mean teacher. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I, I ran away from my piano class and never got back. Whoa. Then I have this, this interesting story because it's a nod to what, what's going on in my life today. My dad, he doesn't play any, any instrument, mm -hmm. but he bought a handmade acoustic guitar that looks and it's shaped like a Telecaster. It looked so cool. Whoa. And I wanted to just play it. And he was like, no, that's my very expensive, beautiful guitar <laughs> that I don't play. <laughs> and he said I could play it if I could play a song. So I was very obsessed. And by the time I was seven, I was I was playing decently, wow. <laughs> I would say. That's pretty early. That's early for guitar, I feel like. It's, I feel like I have a five-year-old. And so I think about like the dexterity involved in that, like to be able to play a, a, a six-stringed instrument seems like a challenge. Yeah, we didn't have internet back then. So <laughs> I was very <laughs> I got to find obsessed. something to do. Yeah. <laughs> So in it seems like in your actual like gear, so you're talking a little bit about some of the, the gear that you had when you were growing up. So you're talking about the, the guitars your dad had, right? What is, what's your main setup right now? Like, obviously you play a lot of instruments, but like, what are you kind of, what are you, what are you mainly playing with right now? You can, you can answer that in quarantine or out of quarantine, <laughs> up to you. Well, when I moved to the studio, I had lots of gear laying around. Some might say I'm a hoarder <laughs> when it comes to gear. I will not take that. <laughs> but <laughs> I believe my main gear is my, I have a MIDI keyboard setup. Mm -hmm. It's a 49-key Impulse Novation, mm -hmm. and it all goes through my universal audio. I love mm -hmm. playing with plugins. Mm -hmm. When it comes to guitar, there's a plugin called AmpliTube. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love that because it has this cool presets and everything. I love mixing up the, this short-scale guitar, mm -hmm. going through my humbuster or my tiny... I have a Gretsch, a tiny 5-watt Gretsch. Oh, cute. <laughs> and if you, yeah, I think it's called G52222. Just an extra two for good measure. Yeah, just an extra <laughs> Several twos. And the and the, the humbuster you were, you were showing me earlier, not humbucker people, it's humbuster, which I had actually never seen this humbuster. before. And it the function of it is basically if you have single coils, it helps to helps with the noise. Is that accurate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds just so perfectly clean. Anything that that's ground noise just goes away. The sixty hertz noise, it just goes away. And it sounds clean and you don't lose the single coil flavor. I love it. That's cool. Just that. Just add a delay, some overdrive, and I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> nice. So so let's talk a little bit more about your experience in your luthier um, school. So 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 you'd said that you were the first woman for electric, it sounds like. So what was that experience like for you, like around uh, like being being the first, I guess? At first, I got there, and I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it was an all-male environment. Mm -hmm. And at least one of them 
clearly underestimated my abilities to handle tools or they would make jokes and they would make bets on they make bets like that person's not going to finish because most people give up as i said because of the failing rate being so high and stuff wow. so that kind of fueled me to go all the way mm-hmm. and actually go all the way and impress everybody that's not a, not a very good reason but it worked <laughs> for me <laughs> people have different motivations and if that works for you that's great that's actually how how i built scout that was my oh cool in the last year i wanted to build like something really that would impress even the violin people because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they are the hard ones to get yeah and so as far as your your, your guitars that you're building, right? So Scout, I can see right behind you, the audience, the people listening here cannot hear see this guitar, but you should go to your website or Instagram and you will see it. So you, you build like these like vintage inspired instruments and you, I guess you've been doing this now for a number of years, has, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place, but I want to talk about the builds themselves in a minute, but I also want to talk about a little bit about like how, when you first started like the the act of impressing people, like whether that's changed over the years as you've been building longer. Yeah, for sure. I believe like a good portion of my life, it was me trying to prove to the boys that I was able to do the same thing, to play the guitar just as well, to play the hardest riff that I could fit in. And that was like, a cycle that went through forever. In the process of doing all that, I realized that I don't need that. That's okay. You just got to be you. Mm-hmm. So that, of course, that I learned good things from that. That made me push myself really hard and strive for the highest quality possible in everything. Mm-hmm. But when you let go and just do your thing, it's like you're playing with your eyes closed <laughs> and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the results are amazing. So the instruments themselves, so so we talked about the Scout for a second, but and the Scout, as I'm looking at it, it has like a body that looks a little bit like, the shape is kind of like a, the Brian May model a little bit. Is that accurate? I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. And then the, and it's got like a telly, yeah. telly setup with a Bigsby and uh, uh, block inlays. And uh, it's just beautiful. And you and you bought, you know, and that's a more recent build. No, that's actually my first Oh, that one. was the one my from first, school. Like, got it, got it, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. In, in school, I built like six or maybe seven instruments that I don't own anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was the one that... And put my heart and soul because I always wanted a an old telly that has the fifties standards. Mm-hmm. People don't usually like those because the neck is like I call it a baseball bat neck because mm-hmm. it's so yeah. huge. And so I wanted to make something that was true to the fifties guitar making style and. It has a 50s pickup. Mm. It has, but it has a modern Bigsby mm-hmm. with vintage features. So the body is is kind of slider. Slider mm. is that a word? Yeah, 
is lighter than the Brian May's guitar. Uh, I would hope so. That thing's supposed to weigh a lot, right? <laughs> I've heard it's very heavy. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I wanted to make that as almost like a joke because, again, the boy thing. Like, you can't you can play with this snack because this oh. is so oh it's too big for you yada 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 yeah. so i usually use like the heaviest string you can get i like the heaviest snack <laughs> like hey give me now now you play with it uh-huh. <laughs> so it's funny because my my friends that are that are guys that usually play with this kind of things they they really respect that guitar. Nice. <laughs> and they can't play with it for more than two hours. So <laughs> it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's a true vintage guitar. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. Well, actually, well, not, not a true, true vintage but guitar, but you get the idea. The true, truly vintage inspired with vintage appointments, perhaps. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so you've got that model. And then you've got a couple of the girls' rock camp models. So the rock camp models, what it was, can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. I love those. Those were such a happy experiment mm-hmm. we did. I was a volunteer in the rock camp project, and they get donations of all sorts of instruments. Some are broken or too old, and we repaired some of them. And then I actually produced a band in the project. Uh It was very fun. And my band had girls that were were seven, they were 10, they were very tiny and little, and they were playing this huge Jaguar bass. It was just painful to watch because it was so big. And you you want girls to be motivated to play. It should be just fun and easy and cool simple so we got permission to tear down some of their old instruments Mm -hmm. and design a new one so we designed a short scale bass and a short scale guitar Mm -hmm. with parts that they had laying around most of them stratocasters or jazz basses and we came up with this really cool one knob one pickup very simple design that is just amazing. It's it sounds amazing. Seriously, people should that should do that more often. You said you've been playing that more actually lately than your scout. Is that true? Yeah, I don't know. It's just so easy to play, and it sounds so simple. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It has so maybe maybe we were so happy building it that it acquire a soul yeah. and it sounds amazing awesome <laughs> can you talk about the other models sure it's like you don't see one pickup instruments too often these days mm-hmm. they are very underestimated they're not so versatile but they are really something people should own a, own one at some point of their life it's really cool uh and then so the other models that you have can you talk a little bit about those yeah, we we have like one model for every need, I'd say. Mm-hmm. We have the Scout, that is our tally model. It has all these vintage qualities. We're la- launching now a symmetrical, that is sort of a less full 
It's going to be a one pickup or two pickup option. It can be P90s or even humbuckers. And it's symmetrical. It's fancy. It has bindings. Mm. It has a tailpiece that Ooh. is going to be customized. Our guitars are always going to have blocking lays that are made of out of bone or ebony. <laughs> I just did a chef's kiss by hand. <laughs> oh God, I love block inlays. <laughs> oh, those so smell much. terrible. A fun fact: huh. block inlays smell terrible. Really? When you sand them? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that, <laughs> but I appreciate their. I appreciate them in so many other ways. I will never. I'll, I'll try to avoid sanding one. Uh, so that's your new model, and then you have one other model, or are there? Am I missing one? Yeah, we're launching a, a bass guitar mm-hmm. that's going to be a full scale bass. It's going to be very vintage with binding, and it's like a jazz bass, but looking. More like it's something that came out of Italy in the 30s. Wow. <laughs> it's coming up. And we have we have a semi-acoustic guitar that's coming up that's called Parton in honor of Dolly Parton. And it's going to look very vintage as well. The sound holes are going to be square. Ooh. They're going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to sharing that with the world. And then you have the the SG. We have the Ajana model mm-hmm. that was built for Monica Ajana. She is probably my favorite Brazilian guitar player of all times, and she agreed to build this guitar with us. So it has features that were handpicked by her, and it sounds amazing. It's a mix of a jazz master and an SG. With blocking lace, all the goodness, a very slim neck. It's very light. We use all tropical reused woods from Brazil in our guitars. And this is a huge concern for us because we mentioned this is um, an international program mm-hmm. here. I'd like to bring awareness to what's happening on the Amazon if I can. Please, yeah. Because... Most woods that are used on instruments actually come from the Amazon. And it's burning. It's terrible. What's going on in Brazil? Google, please, if you're listening to this, just bring awareness to this. We need to find alternative solutions for that. So we try to reuse woods. And we have a project coming up that we're... um, we want to try. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but we want to pick up trash from the beaches and we're going to try to compress it into a block and see if we, if we can build bodies with that. Oh, actually, something that's came up that you might find really interesting. We In college, we researched how much the kind of wood you use in the body affects the sound. Mm. What's your guess? Uh, I, Do you hear yes, that? Yes, all the time. Uh, everybody's like, totally, it makes such a difference. And you're going to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> so we built, like, in college, I believe it was 10 bodies out of 10 different woods. And it varied hardly nothing. It was less than a <laughs> 1%. <laughs> Take that, wood nerds. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, that's this is very controversial. very controversial. Oh my goodness! Wow, we're gonna be blowing things up over here. Uh, but you've got the research, so take that, internet. <laughs> yeah, I got the data. Get that. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, going to take a quick break here to thank some more Rad Midriff sponsors who help support the podcast. So first, we have DistroKid. If you are a musician and you want to get your music out there to more people, but you aren't quite sure how, DistroKid can help you. So DistroKid puts your music in online stores on all the streaming services like iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, etc. You get 100% of the income like they don't take any fees out or anything like that. And it allows you to do like customized splits to different band members or musicians per song via what they call teams. And you know that's something that you probably need. I think many of us do. If you have more than one project, you can also sign up for that too. It's a really great DIY option, but I guess it's more of a distro kit it yourself option. Get it? See what I did there? Sorry. <laughs> anyway, you can use the link uh, distrokid.com slash VIP slash midriff to get a 7% discount. And I'll include that link in the show notes as well. I also want to mention my buddies, Adam and Jen up at Stompbox Sonic in Boston. Stompbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. Specializing in effects pedals, they offer a curated collection of companies, large and small, some locally crafted, some assembled from around the world. So Adam and Jen have been helping musicians and sound-based artists find their sound since 2009 by working collaboratively through one-on-one -on -one consultations. They do more than sell you a pedal. They ignite the creative spark to bring your music to life. They create a comfortable, judgment-free environment for all musicians where sonic experimentation is encouraged. I will say I am going to be doing a virtual consultation coming up them very soon and I will report back. I am very excited about that and I'm sure if you want to do one, they could probably arrange that for you as well. They are good people and they have a ton of red pedals available on their website too. Uh, so yeah, check them out on social media at stompboxonic.com. And let's get back to it. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, a little more about your experiences related to like sort of gender identities and gear. So uh, I don't know if you've had like one particular area. So obviously you're spending time as a luthier and you're spending time as a musician and you're doing like production in different spaces. So I, I, I'm just wondering what those experiences have been like for you related to gender or, or other identities. And if there's any difference or you see that showing up differently in different places. Yeah, we just launched our Instagram account and we noticed that our public is already 90% male. Whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a true boy club, I'd say. But we're trying to make a change. I believe that I've been doing that my whole life. But now that I just don't care anymore is when I'm actually making the biggest changes because I'm focusing on being an inspiration and giving back the way I can, like sponsoring female musicians or participating in girls rock camp here talking to you mm -hmm. that that already makes a difference just by existing we just gotta make ourselves noticed by people mm -hmm. yeah so like getting out there and 
being there is just it's it's a step in and of itself sort of yeah yeah I know a lot of girls that held back their desires to do skateboard or play the guitar because they thought they couldn't because it was a macho thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm so glad things are finally changing what's so I'm curious about your experience actually buying gear yourself you know like if you've had particular experiences as well buying gear that have been either really good or really bad yeah I have my worst and best buying gear experience it's kind of fun cool it, it was actually when I was playing this folk band I needed an acoustic guitar that was also electrical mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of me hoarding <laughs> a few instruments, you might say. I was 17 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was a student. I looked like a regular student. And we have this wannabe fancy music shop around, mm-hmm. around town. And I went there and I saw this jumbo guild that I just fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of expensive for our standards. And for some reason, the guy over the counter clearly suggested that I couldn't afford it. <laughs> and I was like, what? So I went back home and I was like, what am I going to do? So I just picked out my most raggedy clothes I had. I didn't comb my hair. I was, I almost rubbed dirt in my face. <laughs> And got back there and bought the damn thing. <laughs> I bought it <laughs> out of spite and out of love. I have it till today. So that was my worst buying experience. Wow. Have you had any particularly like good experiences or is there a particular shop that you like or experience at shops that are oh, better? I have a, such, a, you might know this one. So we got to play in, in LA at the hotel cafe. Mm-hmm really cool venue and my friend said hey are you aware of this shop they have all vintage really old things it's called norman's guitars i mm-hmm. believe so we went there and i i had I, I saved so much money for that trip i wanted to go back with something really old <laughs> something that i really love uh-huh. and my friend took me to the place and I found this acoustic Gibson LG from the 50s. Whoa. And I actually could afford that at the time. I don't know. It was so different because when I was a kid, I was there in the fancy shop and you couldn't even try the instruments. And at Norman's, they just let me touch everything. Mm. (laughs) It was so cool. That's an interesting point. I feel like that, that that vibe in different shops is very real. Like I, and it's not something we've actually really talked about on the podcast. I feel like it hasn't come up like the like thing where you go into a shop and you clearly are like not supposed to touch anything. Uh, and I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand that. I mean, I get it. Like, obviously you don't want people breaking things, but the thing that you're selling is something that someone needs to touch in order to know whether they want to buy it or not. Like, yeah, so weird. <laughs> It felt so homey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're just like, oh, just sit down. Yeah. Just sit down and try this out or whatever. Like 
that's a, such a different vibe and so much more welcoming. So when you have done your solo playing versus like when you were playing with a band, and I know when you play solo, you probably, you're playing with other people too sometimes, but have you noticed differences in the ways that you're treated and based on who you're playing with or anything like that? It's funny because um, I never played with other women before mm. playing solo. And I had this experience playing by myself, playing solo. One of those things that's mind-blowing, like, how have I not experienced this before in my life? I, I, I don't even have the words for it because, you know, I believe humans are, like, a little bit like animals. <laughs> like, they have very little tribes and rituals and stuff. I felt this sisterhood that I never felt in my entire life playing with other women. Mm. So connection is very important when you're playing live. It's a, it, it's everything. And I had that playing with other women. Mm -hmm. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about that too. And thinking about like, I mean, obviously it's one thing if you're playing live, but I think too, like, you know, there's so many situations where there's like a session player or someone who will like join in on stuff for a live show here and there. And, how different that can feel based on the connection that you have with other players is it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's also a shift because in the beginning it was very difficult to find women to join the band mm. and, and the ones I interacted, they didn't seem very secure of their playing abilities or even recording abilities while the guys were dominating naturally because it's natural for them it, it's cool I, i'm okay with guys too <laughs> just for the record they're fine you're okay you're clear but now that i don't know it's been like more recently i got to play with the same women and they are so much more confident mm. so much involved in podcasts and learning and even recording videos and it's amazing there's a shift i'm very happy happy to see that that's awesome yeah and i mean your your music we haven't even gotten into this but your music is so beautiful it's just like crushingly beautiful so uh also folks definitely go listen uh and i'll have clips here and there on instagram uh but it's yeah it's beautiful so just very um yeah, it's just like very like kind of intimate feeling to me. And I wonder, what does your writing process look like? I like to think it's very spiritual because mm. there's a fun fact. I actually rather record something and I rather record than play live. Mm. It's probably a thing now. It's not even that uncommon. I think you're right. But <laughs> <laughs> I just, it feels like, I've been possessed by an emotion and you just press record and it's there forever. It's like a, almost like a painting, but you've recorded it. Mm -hmm. I usually open up my, my Google, my Gmail and I write all my lyrics no way. while I'm recording. Yeah. <laughs> so I have every, everything of that. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's one thing too, because in the, in the beginning, I thought I, I had to use Pro Tools. I have to 
have the best interface, the best microphone. And now I'm a Studio One user. Mm. I record whenever. I don't care if it's on my phone. All I care about is, does it sound true? Mm -hmm. So that's my process. I just plug it in and go for it. Yeah. So it sounds like the focus is more on like getting it out there in a in an ur almost like an urgent because it's like inside of you and it has to get out kind of thing. Yeah. And if, if it takes too long, I feel like you start a song and you just forget about it and you want to come back to it. It just doesn't work for me. I have like a bunch of unfinished songs that I just I deleted them this week. Wow. I actually de deleted a bunch of songs because I couldn't finish them. Mm -hmm. If I can finish them in one night or one take, the moment is gone. What can I say? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, like, attention to, like, getting it out there and not, like, belaboring it too much. Because if you do, it's, it's just it loses the feel in some cases, like, if you're just over overthinking it. That's a good analogy for life, too. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> so you also do... You do writing, obviously, for yourself, but you also do writing for, like, films and TV and things like that and production. How do you approach those differently? The, I don't know if the urgency thing works in the same way for that. I'd say they have, like, a necessary urgency. There's, <laughs> There's a deadline. tight deadlines. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I take a more commercial approach to those. Mm -hmm. There's usually a brief. So I try to make my personal personality shine through when there's room for mm -hmm. it. So I like to add like ukulele touches to everything. Lately, that's my thing. Ah. <laughs> but usually there's a, a very specific brief I got to do. So I try to make myself inspired because that's the thing. It's hard to be inspired, especially with the pandemic going mm -hmm. on. It's hard to find inspiration to make music. So that's the real struggle. Them, but I always find a way to get inspired and make music commercially or not. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, I, you're obviously, you said you're quarantining right now. Everybody there's in quarantine, basically. <laughs> or, yeah, severely. Uh, yeah, it sounds like things are a little rough. Are folks getting vaccinated down there yet? Well, they don't have a vaccine for everybody. Mm -hmm. Our government actually refused. 70 million doses because there's no government, just chaotic feelings and papers flying around. <laughs> so it's really sad. We're all scared. And there are several variations that are coming out of Brazil because people are not taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. So the struggle is real. Very yeah, real. that is a real bummer. Um, and I'm, I hope that you're able to get access to vaccines very soon because it's it seems like it seems like it's a rough situation right now. I'm expected to get vaccinated if I'm lucky in December of next year. Whoa. So not not even this year. Yeah. <laughs> not even no this year. No way. That's wild. Yeah. And I feel like very. it's it's so interesting how I mean it's not interesting and it's not really surprising the way that this has turned out where it's like of course like Everybody in the U.S. is like expected, like it, it's a bit like hypothetically anyone who's over 18 right now can get the vaccine just starting like last I'm so jealous. last week. And I'm not mentioning it to make you jealous. I apologize. But it's 
it's a no, no, that's okay. I'm very happy. No, but well, I mean, I'm hoping what will happen is that once people in the U.S. are like, well, we're done, so uh, whatever, you know, that we'll be able to stop being so selfish and get more vaccines out to other folks. So, yeah, cross your fingers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess the good thing for you as a person who's able to like do writing on your own and like function on your own that you have some of the skills that I guess are probably useful if you're stuck in your house, as far as that's concerned, not to like put, be like, well, it's okay. Cause you get to stay home, but like, it's, it's probably <laughs> useful. I would imagine right now for you to have those skills. Sure. Yeah. I'm very, very, very lucky. So I guess one question I have for you as we're kind of like getting towards the end is like, if there is, if you were speaking to folks in the music gear industry, so whether it's like specifically folks who deal with gear, whether it's like other luthiers or dealers or whatever, other bands who wanted to make change in the industry to make it better, what would your recommendation be to them if they asked you? I'd say to actually do something, spend money, spend money on women. That's the real thing. Mm -hmm. You got to open up that wallet, make projects, and then change will actually happen. It's okay. It's fun and pretty to say, like, give women a chance, add them to your team, but that's not going to, that's not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. So, so actually like, that's what I'd say. Spending money on like, Things made by women, music made by women, etc. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't even have much money, and I'm spending money to make that change. <laughs> right. So. Right. You you just you have to be intentional about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so <laughs> we talked about obviously you being stuck in your house, but hopefully that will end soon ish, or there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Do you have any particular things even? perhaps in quarantine, <laughs> that you are psyched to be working on, things that are coming up. So you talked about a couple of guitars. I don't know if there's anything else coming up right now that you want to talk about or mention for folks. Oh, the main thing is the Birdie symmetrical guitars. I'm so excited about it because they're going to look really special and sound really special. And we'll be posting videos and photos from the process. I'm about to record some some beat videos with our little monkeyos, our short scales and people are going to be able to see that and it's going to be fun and I'm very very happy that I'm finally going to get back to record my own music because it's been rough this late this couple of years they were so difficult and I just kind of forgot about it and I'm very happy to get back to it yeah Stay tuned. Yeah, totally. <laughs> cool. So uh, for folks who want to keep up with you and see what you're up to, do you have any particular places to direct them? Our website is actually down right now, but people are welcome to follow follow us on Instagram at Moncato Guitars or follow me at Rosie Moncato. And we'll be posting this content I just told you about. And it's going to be really cool. Keep your eyes peeled for the birdie and all the uh, demos of the little baby guitars. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rosie, for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for this lovely international session. It's been so much fun. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you. And you. And you.
What a treat to talk with Rosie. I hope you go to her Instagram immediately and check out her guitars. I know personally, I have gone back to her Jaina model in particular, the SG, because it is just so, so beautiful. It's basically all of the best guitars put together at once. So it's like an SG, it's a jazz master, it's got some cool Fender pickups. Anyway, it's beautiful. Check it out. All right. So today, uh, I will say last episode, I covered a bit about the nagging wife guitar meme, right? But that brought up another prominent guitar culture issue that we have not really discussed here, which is naming and gendering your guitar. And this is something that folks do a lot with objects, right? So it's not just guitars. It's like boats, cars, motorcycles, bikes. And it, it just comes up all the time and unfortunately also with guitars. And it shows up as someone naming their guitar, which is almost always given a women's name. Or, you know, sometimes folks will just like refer to their guitar as she, right? And I'm certain that many folks will think that I am making a big deal out of nothing here. So let's, let me explain why this is an issue, right? First of all, it's applied unevenly. So anytime that something happens more for one gender than for another, there's usually a reason. And that reason usually is not good. And I say that because unfortunately, we're in this space where folks are really encouraged into hierarchy. And so when one person is doing something differently from another person, there's an inherent value attached to that, right? So, uh, so there you go. In this case, on appearance, the person is trying to show some sort of affection or connection toward their guitar, maybe demonstrating that they have some sort of relationship with it in this sort of like cutesy way. <laughs> but unfortunately, the fact that like a large number of inanimate objects are given women's names, it's not just about connection here, right? So the major problem here is actually objectification. And objectification is the act of making a person an object and in the process, dehumanizing them. And we've talked about this a number of times here in the past, but making a person not a person is the first step towards making it okay to harm them, right? So that's a problem because, you know, at that point, obviously, if <laughs> you are making them an object, they are not a person. Uh, and pretty much, you know, the most direct way you can objectify someone in this case, women, is by naming an object after them. It is literal objectification. Get it? Uh, you know, I know people are not intending to do this to be harmful, but because it exists in a context where women are already being dehumanized, it sort of, you know, adds fuel to the fire, right? So I hope the next time you get ready to play your guitar, Betsy, or whatever, you address it by its real name, Stratocaster. Try it. <laughs> All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so more folks can hear about it. And feel free to reach out to me with questions or ideas or anything at all via my website, hillarybjones.com. All right. Thanks so much for listening. 